Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. This episode was originally recorded as a weekly live in the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition group on Facebook. If you'd like to join these lives, watch past replays, or get any of the written summaries I do for these weekly, please head to the link in the show notes, drop me a comment, I'm happy to help you out. Now, let's get on with the episode. So this week, let's talk a little bit about mental toughness, and when I th- or like mental training or mental resiliency, and we'll talk about what all of those different things might mean as we go through. But when it comes to all of these concepts, the mental training aspect of sports, I really like a, the quote from Henry Ford. Whether you believe you can do a thing or not, you are right. And that full origins of that quote go far back, farther, way farther back than Henry Ford, um, all the way back to like the ancient Greeks. It's been played with for a couple thousand years, but he did say that. It was in Reader's Digest in 1947, and it is a great idea. It might sound like you're trying to delude yourself into higher performance if we take it one way, but I really don't think that's true. I mean, unless someone is delusional, then you have an idea of whether or not you're actually able to do a thing, right? Like, nobody has ever thought they were going to win Western states when they didn't at least have a chance. And more importantly, if you go into something believing that you're going to fail, you are much more likely to fail. You need to believe in yourself. You need to believe there's a chance. Like, I'm looking at a 50-mile race in four months, The farthest I have ever run is 14 miles. And a year ago, I struggled to run one mile. And all that said, Sunday, I went out yesterday and cruised 10 with really no issue. The training is working. And now I just have to get out of my own way and believe programming that I'm setting up and do the work. The subconscious mind is really really powerful. If you don't think you can do something, then two things are pretty likely to happen. One is that you might unintentionally sabotage yourself. Gay Hendricks talks about this idea in a couple of his books. I think the the Big Leap is the first one. It's really worth reading. And he talks about if you don't think you deserve something or can do something, you are much more likely to end up making some choices that will lead to your failure, whether it's an intentional effort or not. And this could show up like pushing a heavy lift in the week before your race, running way too hard in your final long session and burning yourself out, forgetting to pack your shoes on race day. Shit, if you are... If you're a Bob's Burgers fan, there's an episode, I think it's season four or five, where he is in a burger competition, and he tells Gene to bring the black garlic, which is the entire ingredient that he needs to make this burger. And Linda points out that he never believed in himself from the start, and that is probably why he gave that task to his least responsible child. And Bob has this realization that he's probably right. And... 
I'm not saying every time something goes wrong, it is self-sabotage. I think Gay Hendricks basically says that in that book, and I think it's a little too far. But I think it's a lot more common than we think. Because it is way easier to not be able to do the thing because we went too hard in training than it is because because we're afraid. We're afraid of success. We're afraid of failure. So we like lead, a, lead an excuse in. And the other thing that's likely to happen if you don't believe in yourself is when it gets hard, you're just going to quit. You'll say, I knew it. I knew I wasn't good enough. I knew I didn't belong here. This sucks. This hurts. My legs hurt. And you quit. And those two things together are arguably responsible for like so many DNFs in this sport. The average pace you need to finish most 100 milers is a walking pace. Granted, a fast walk, it's a clip, but I think it's like 18 or 19 minute miles. It's not that bad. And yes, I realize that that's the average and hills sometimes require 30 minute miles and all sorts of caveats to that. But considering almost no race is completely uphill, especially at like this 30% grade that you might need to do a 30 minute mile, it often evens out. You could walk, hike, whatever you want to call it, to the finish of a lot of ultras. So the two compounding reasons why people tend to fail to cross the finish line in in ultra events are they go out too hot too early. And if you do that, if you go out at a 10 minute mile pace when you know it's unsustainable, you're probably sabotaging yourself a little bit. You didn't get faster overnight. You know you're not going to run that pace. If you know you have a 14-minute mile pace, go out and just, like, cruise it. People have a really successful in this sport by being conservative. And slow, slow down. Run your race. I don't care who you're lined up next to or how fast they go out. Run your race. And then the other reason that people tend to struggle or not cross the finish line is, as I said before, they quit. And... If you quit, then you're just making that choice. It gets hard. You get to an aid station. It feels like so good not to be not to be running anymore because your legs hurt and you're tired and you're hungry. You don't want to do it. And I understand that. Um, For most non-professional athletes, you will just the way you're going to end your ultra is likely just not leave your aid station when you feel like shit and you'll quit and you decide, nah, if I give them my bib, I can get in the car and go get ice cream and a pizza and you walk away and that's fine if that's what you want to do, but make, realize that it is typically more of a mental choice than anything else. And I want to be clear, reiterate that that is okay. I'm actually not into the like very famously Goggins thing. I think it works for him. I think It works for some people, and if that's you, good for you. But I can never in good conscience say something like, you should push for 100 miles on broken feet, give yourself rhabdo, and refuse to go to the hospital. Like, it's I'm not into it. It's not my style. Um, I don't think it's a positive story. I think it's a sign something is kind of broken inside, and I'm actually certain he would agree, because that's what the whole book was about. So I want to be clear. You're allowed to quit. I think more people should quit more things. A lot of people do shit they hate because they feel they have to. 
You don't have to. You're an adult. Some things you might not be able to get out of immediately. Most of us can't quit our job tomorrow. But if you hate your job, then you should try to work to find another job. Some obligations you will never get out of. But you sure can quit running if you hate it. So remember that. But most people don't get to an aid station and decide they hate running. They get to an aid station and decide they're tired or they're hard. And it's hard and you don't want to do it anymore and you're done today. And they quit in that moment. And the worst thing is when you regret it later. So if you need to take an extra second, fine. Recharge. And then make that choice. And go into it with a plan beforehand. Tell your pacers, tell your crew what you actually want when you're thinking rationally. Tell people that I don't, I don't really care what I say unless I'm really broken. Like, tell me to leave and push me out the door. And you're able to make that choice too. Now, before I get on to more of this, I said I would share what happened in my Spartan race. Um, it's honestly not that interesting. I signed up to run it up in Ogden with my job. I asked them if they had registered me. They verbally told me yes, repeatedly. It turns out that there was a registration link, and I thought that they just did a mass registration, and due to that miscommunication, I was never registered for the race. Thankfully, I found out while trying to set up a carpool to the race, rather than getting all the way up the hour and a half drive to Snow Basin and learning there. Right? That is what happened. So I went out for ten hour ten mile trail run in the woods. It said it is still I like I still take responsibility for that. Um, I should have verified, I should have kind of found it weird. If I really wanted to do it, I could have just signed up with one of the like three groups I knew doing it. There were other options. I was being cheap and lazy and it wasn't a large priority in my head right so that's what happened what I did instead again is run 10 miles in the woods and mile eight sucked <laughs> I ran the pipeline trail for those around Salt Lake and it's it's really cruisy it's pretty easy except mile eight has a lot of uh incline decline depending on which way you're going and if you know me you know I'm not that great at incline so it's fair to assume that it was the incline mile coming back and it was some good mental training which is one of the reasons this came up in my brain to talk about this tonight mile eight of yesterday will be a thing that I remember in November because mile nine and ten were actually pretty great I pushed through the hard thing and got to do a better thing and this is a pretty good lesson of mental training in general. You get better at doing hard things by doing other hard things. So let's talk a little bit about mental toughness. I actually don't like the generalized use of this term. I think it has a purpose, um, but I don't think mental toughness should be the overall thing that we all, that we encompass all of mental training. I actually really like resilience or mental resilience or anything like this. I don't think toughness is always required. It sounds like you always have to tough it out and push through and do the thing. 
Um, I think mental resilience is important. Sometimes it allows you to push through and do the hard thing that you know you should do. And sometimes the hard thing is actually not running. Sometimes if you're injured, it is sitting on the couch for a week and taking care of yourself and recovering. Sometimes it's eating more food. But winning the mental game, being mentally resilient, means doing the hard thing even when you don't want to. Now, some strategies for that when you're out there. One of the biggest ones is self-talk. You are going to have, you are going to be talking to yourself the entire time. I don't care how your race is, that is how your brain works. It just does the thing. And you should generate good, positive self-talk. They have done research and studies and getting down on yourself and telling yourself that you're a piece of shit, you're not running fast enough, you're not getting there, like that doesn't help. It actually tends to lead to more dropouts. Whereas if you are being positive, saying you can do this, you have this mantra, and I'm going to put out an interview with David Terrio here soon, and he talks about mantras, but if you have this mantra, it will, it helps push you through and fuel you and get you to your next pace, right? The mind almost always gives up before the body. And talk a little bit more about that in a second. But your body is able to do more than you think it is. And you just have to tell yourself positive things and convince yourself that's true. One way you can do this in training, or even in a race, is to go with people better than you. Now, I'm not saying you should go out with someone incredibly better than you, but if you continually run with people a little better than you, you will get better. I can say this is very true when I was learning to snowboard and ski and do winter sports. I hung out with a couple skiers from Vermont, and I got better so much faster than if I had just gone out there my, by myself because it was like two skiers slammed down a mogul run and like sent a cliff and there wasn't any real way to get out of it so I got to learn to do moguls on a snowboard and jump off a small cliff and that was just kind of the way the run went and as a result like yeah I fell down I didn't get hurt I figured it out and I got better and this is kind of a way you can get better is to constantly go better with you or go out with better people Another thing is to be mindful. And I think this term is overused, especially as someone who meditated and mildly followed Buddhism for a very long time, but it's applicable. We need to observe your feelings, observe your mind state, do not judge, take care of your mental frame, and then you are constantly doing this as you go through your race. Every time you hit that wall, every time you hit that space, just ask yourself, what is going on? Take care, uh, or take control of your brain. Remember that things are being done for you, that you chose to do this, that you're doing this difficult thing, and they're not being done to you. Nobody, like, tied you up in a bag and dropped you out in the middle of hard rock, right? Like, you chose to do this hard thing, so enjoy it. The next thing that tends to help is planning. And 
plan for problems. This is where we can get in our own head a little bit. Take all of those negative thoughts, write them down on a piece of paper, and solve them. And I'm serious. Like, sit down, get out a piece of paper, and figure it out. If you're one of my athletes or someone who went through the challenge, pull up your race day prep sheet. It has entire columns for this. Go through the fears and solutions table and figure it out. Your shoelace breaks, what do you do? Your pole breaks, what do you do? Your water uh, container, whatever you happen to use, springs a leak and you lose all of your water on the front of your shirt. How do you fix it? Your stomach goes sour. Pick a thing. Like, we can, we're, you're constantly catastrophizing a lot of people. So if you are one of these people, write it down and then fix it. And then try to come up with multiple solutions for every fear you have. Your stomach goes sour? Great. Try a different fuel. Um, slow down and walk for a minute. Ask someone if they have a different fuel. Like, all of these are options. Write it down. And then see if those fears point out some of your weaknesses. And then investigate those weaknesses a little bit. If you are afraid of falling on downhills, or if you're afraid of downhills, why? Like, why are you afraid of them? Solve the problem, we can bring it into training, and then you can train to get better at those things. There's always a solution, but we have to plan for it. And in the planning topic, I'm going to take something from Jeff Winchester here of, that he said in that interview, which you haven't listened to, you should, but plan for it to suck. Don't be surprised when it sucks. It's going to suck. It shouldn't suck the whole time, but remember, it's going to suck. If it doesn't, that's wonderful. It's a positive surprise. You got out, you got out and scathed, you had fun for the entirety of your whatever 50-mile race that you're going to do. But it's probably going to suck, at least at one point, right? And this is not even because ultras are hard. That is a factor that makes it worse, but very rarely do you do something every day for, like, pick a thing, go do it for 12, 20, 24 hours, and see if there isn't a moment where you just kind of don't want to do it for a second. Like, that is really normal. You don't have that span of focus. You can kind of focus really intently for an hour and a half, most of, most of us, and then you need to take a bit of a break and then repeat that cycle. Andrew Huberman talks about this a lot. And if you are out there for these incredibly long stretches of time, you're going to lose some focus, and that is when a lot of these problems are going to arise. So plan for these problems to happen because they will happen. You're not going to like every second of it, probably like you're not going to like every second of anything you did for 24 hours straight. Then, said, while you're doing that, focus on the good first. And this is particularly relevant to training, because the more you go through training, the more this negative mindset can kind of stack up. So when you get back from a training session, let's not jump directly into the thing that we all jump into. Like, I ran for an hour, and 
like let's use my weekend run as an example. I was out there for two, two and a half hours, two and a half ish less hours, and one mile of it sucked. <laughs> it's very easy for me to only talk about that and not talk about the other nine and a half miles that were really fun where I got to see eagles and snakes off to the side of the trail doing their thing and be in the woods and run down a bunch of single track and jump off rocks and all of that stuff that we're out there for. Focus on that first and then we can focus on what went wrong, which would be my uphill game is shit. And then we're what we're going to do about what went wrong. All right. For me, it's very clear. Train the uphill game. For you, it's whatever you might need. What are you going to do about what went wrong? So don't dwell on the negative. Dwell on the positive, note the negative, and then fix it. Solve it. Now, if we're looking at... The other thing is to be very engaged with your why. I ask everybody who wants to train with me, why do you do this crazy sport? Because it's crazy. Ultras are a nutty thing to do. And I'll say that forever. No matter how long I train this, it's nuts to want to do these, this sport. And you should have a good driving why as to why, as to what pushes you out there and makes you want to do this insanity. And you don't have to share it with anybody. You can, but you should know it. And when you're out there, you should have it very at the top of your brain. During your training, during the hard pieces, like we should know why or why. And I'm going to take this from Kareem Ramadan, who's like a leading sports psychoanalyst of the questions he asks are like, what makes you run? What are you getting from running? And then what do you want to learn with running, right? Like we are looking for an internal performance-oriented goal. If you say something like, well, I never... I've never run before, but Becky asked me to sign up for this 50K, and I love her, so I just said yes. This is not a great choice to go put yourself through that. I know that that is a lot of people's, like, impetus. Like, hey, you should sign up for this thing, and then you say yes. That is fine, but before you get out there, you should probably have a different reason than that. Now... For me, it is to grow, it is to find a like, space of new sport, it is to find a better version of myself by challenging myself in a way that I haven't done before. Like That is a very driving factor for me. And there are other reasons why I'm out there, but those are big ones. And that is the kind of thing that you will need to remember when it sucks. Because remember, it's probably going to suck a little bit. Your brain, let's also remember that your brain is incredibly powerful. If you don't have some sort of mental game, you are going to struggle greatly in this sport. You will never actually hit a physical wall that makes you stop. Tim Noakes started this whole idea of the central governor theory, and they've never been able to prove that for good reason, but pretty much... You, they've shown that 
people push really hard and no matter how torched they think they are, no matter how much they fall down, there was always something more they could give. Somebody goes to the end of a marathon and collapses across the finish line. They've taken muscle biopsies and shown that there's still functioning muscle and glycogen and all sorts of things in there. That they have taken, um, they've done studies where they tell people to go all out, and these are like high-performing Tour de France kind of cyclists, right? So all out for five seconds as hard as they can, and then cycle at 80 to 85 percent of their vo2 max for another until they can't anymore until they can't take another pedal stroke and then they surprise on them that part three of this test is to do the first part again so basically all out sprint for five seconds really hard lactate threshold for 12 to 15 minutes and then another all out sprint and they didn't know about the second sprint all of them put out like I think it was over a thousand watts on the first sprint and then at their threshold pace they're putting out 250 watts and then when they said they could not go at a pace that allowed them to put out 250 watts anymore they did a sprint at 750 watts they thought they were done they weren't your brain will tell you to stop and basically what we figured out is your brain is constantly a prediction machine is constantly making predictions about what's going to happen in the world. So when you are losing that much glycogen, producing that much lactate, pushing that hard, getting that burnout, uh, having that much muscle tear down to where you're, almost everybody who finishes uh, ultras has levels that will classify you for rhabdo. Like all of these things are going on in your body and eventually your brain just like forecasts into the future and says, nah, you're going to die. So we're done here. You could keep going physically, but your brain calls it. And I'm actually going to link a podcast in the notes. Um, it's a Radiolab podcast about Diane Van Deren. And one of the reasons she is so good at ultras, she has won a lot of them. And she, I'm not going to tell her whole story because you should actually go listen to it. It's 20 minutes long. Basically, she has no sense of time, so she never knows how long she is into a race due to a surgery. So, one moment, like, she never knows how much pain she should be feeling. She just knows it's time, and then she finds her rhythm and keeps rolling. Next, especially when you're out there and it's finally race day, we no longer have to focus on our negatives and try to fix them. Like, focus on your strengths and try to turn your negatives into a positive. Find one positive thing about whatever it is you don't like and lean into it. So for me, on an uphill, it might be you're going slow enough that you have time to eat. I don't know. Figure out what the positive is for you of that part of your race that you don't like and lean into it. And remember, resilience, all of this mental stuff, is a skill, just like running is a skill. Doing these uncomfortable things makes other uncomfortable things easier. They've shown that lifting heavy weights helps anxiety. And they're not 100% sure why, but their best theory is it shows your brain that it can do really hard stuff and get through it. And then your brain internalizes that, and you are better at dealing with anxiety in the future because you know you'll get through it. They've done 
like ice bucket challenges where they shove people's hands into really frozen buckets of ice, right? And they're like fairly intolerable. Your brain tells you that your hand's going to freeze off. And ultra runners do a lot better at that challenge than most people because they're used to just pushing through and kind of suffering a little bit. If you want to do hard stuff, practice doing hard stuff. And hard things that are not running will have some carryover to running if you can frame them that way. Your brain just needs to remember that you're a badass and that it's going to go crush it. If you've run a 50K, you can run a 50 miler. Just push through and time yourself a little bit. And don't screw up your food. Now, said, while you're practicing doing hard stuff, it is not to say that you need to get comfortable being miserable. It's not true at all. I got this one from... Sean Bearden of the Science of Alter podcast, like, you do not have to practice being miserable. Instead, we're looking to fix it. It is not suck it up or stay hard or whatever these things are. We are learning to recognize the situation, identify what we can do about it, switch our tactic, and execute. He uses the acronym RISE, and I thought it was really helpful. It kind of stuck in my brain. So recognize what's going on, identify, um... Recognize something's happening, identify what's going on, switch your tactic, and then execute on that new tactic. We're not trying to suck it up, we're trying to become resilient, and you're always practicing this in your runs. We do this for fun. You're not making a paycheck, so it should not be trying to be okay with being miserable. We're trying to get better at this so we can have more fun. The brain is constantly engaging in what we call regulatory anticipation. As I said, it's a prediction machine, so we could easily view this as like mental pacing, right? When an effort, what an effort feels like depends a lot on how far you need to go, and that is why Diana is so good at these sports, because she never quite knows what it should feel like. When you're on mile three of five, that tends to feel different than mile three of 20. It can feel better or worse, but it probably feels different, even if you're going the same pace. And the worst part for you is going to be different than the worst part for me. Worst part for me is almost, is always just a little bit after halfway, because it still sucks a whole lot, and I still have so much left to do. If you've ever done a Tabata workout, or a Tabata, depending on where you're from, um, these are 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off for eight rounds. It takes a little less than four minutes. And if you do it properly, you should feel like you're dying at the end. The only way you can typically do these correctly is on like an assault bike or a Versa climber or something that just can skyrocket your heart rate pretty much immediately. And again, there are eight rounds. The worst one for me is always round five or six because there's still almost half left and I'm not done and it's just miserable. So you got to find out, you got to realize that your brain will always be pacing and predicting and learn to anticipate the fact that there's probably going to be a part in your race that's going to suck. And then again, once you can plan for that, it will get better. You have these mental skills 
you wouldn't even be considering doing an ultra if you didn't. It's not a thing that most people pull out, like, immediately into. It's the thing that you probably thought you could do at one point, which is why you signed up for it. So remember that you can do this. Finally, let's talk distractions and using them effectively. You are allowed to use things like music or conversation with your pacer or whatever. And I feel like a lot of people get very high and mighty about using something like music on a trail. And I talked about this a little bit last week in the whole supplement thing, but I feel like some people, I'm emphasizing some, I know this is not true for everybody, but some people who don't listen to music while they run feel it's like a more pure form of the art. And like music is always a distraction. And I've heard this from everyday runners to high-level trainers like Phil Mathetone. And he has actually said that he thinks running with music is terrible because it distracts you from your internal feelings and you don't know what's going on. First, even if it is, who gives a shit? It's your run, right? So if you want to do that, that's great. And then as long as you're not bothering anybody else and staying safe and you're enjoying yourself out there, you're not getting paid for it. So do what you want, right? Number one. Two, for some of us, it actually helps us tune in more. And this is different for different people. But I, I didn't know this was weird until a couple years ago. But I can always feel and hear my heartbeat. Always. Sometimes I forget about it. Sometimes it like kind of fades in the background. If I take two seconds, there it is. And I can feel and hear my heartbeat. Not not putting my hand on my throat, not doing the thing. I can just feel it. And when I run, it is deafening. It feels like the main character in Poe's Telltale Heart. And it's anxiety-inducing, and it I hate it. So when I don't have anything to listen to, it tends to get... I start actively trying to distract myself, and I will try to avoid that sensation. When I have something like music, I can still hear it, but it's not all I can hear, and it helps me. I also use my running as something like a time to learn. I view it as like running university. I did the same thing when I drove snowcats, um, eight to ten hours a night in a giant machine with good speaker system, snowcat university. Did the same thing when I did landscaping. I like to learn things, so if I'm not, if I can have an earphone in, I often will. And I go out, I listen to podcasts and audiobooks on like double or triple speed, and I learn stuff. And I don't know if I'd do something different if I were trying to train at a high level, like those trying to win Western states. Thankfully, I don't ever have to think about that. I'm not that talented, and I get to run how I want. So in regards to mental toughness, I'm going to leave everyone with a popular quote, run the mile you're in. And I heard this from Addie Bracey on the Trail and Ultra, sorry, Trail Runner Nation podcast. Um, and she wrote a great book called Mental Training for Ultra Running. That quote is very old. It was not hers, but she's the one I heard it from. And you should definitely check out her book. I'll link that in the comments and notes as well. So that is what I had for today. And thank you for hanging out. If you have any questions, pop them in there. I really appreciate it. And while I'm waiting to see if there are any questions, just want to say thank you for 
you know, being supportive and listening and showing up and doing the thing. A bunch of people hung out for the last, you know, 30, 40 minutes listening, trying to get better running. So thank you all for being here. Y'all have a great rest of your night, and I will be back next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.